everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Views Our Own, the show that takes you through the world of media and journalism. I'm Misha, and I'm joined as always by Sophie. Hey, everyone. And today we're doing an extra special episode of Views Our Own, acknowledging LGBT plus history month in the UK. And joining us for this lovely conversation, we've got the fantastic Amy Ashenden. Hi, everyone. Amy has been a journalist and working in the media for around five years. She's got experience at the Mirror Online, Evening Standard, as well as Pink News. And she is now the head of communications and media at the fabulous organization Just Like Us. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you. So do you want to introduce yourself to our audience a bit more now and talk a bit about what you do, who you are and what you've been up to recently? Hi, yeah, sure. You've stolen my line there. Um, but yeah, I've worked in journalism for around five years now. Um, I trained at Press Association in London and I, I was at Evening Standard Online and I just relentlessly pitched LGBT stories um, and ended up becoming their first LGBT correspondent there, which was great. And then I moved to the Mirror Online, working mostly on breaking news and video coverage of breaking news. And then I was at Pink News for two and a half years and I was leading on video production with a team of amazing journalists. And in October 2020, I moved to Just Like Us, which is a charity for LGBT plus young people. And I head up their comms team there. Um, They've never actually had a comms team before. So it's been quite an interesting journey. Yeah, that's me. Well, I mean, it's fantastic having you here. Welcome to the show. So this episode is all about talking about the way LGBT topics and conversations have been taking place in the media currently. But I'd love to start by asking, over the course of your career, how have you seen the conversations around these topics change and shift? And what do you think have been the causes of that, so to speak? I think there's definitely much more of a awareness um, in newsrooms that we need to cover LGBT plus stories and what's actually happening to LGBT plus people. Um, when I was at The Standard, I had a really great supportive editor, but I do remember, you know, pitching stories and, you know, sometimes it, it would kind of, people's reaction would be a bit like, oh, why? Why? I just felt really passionate about fighting for that because you know, the Evening Standard, it's a London paper. You know, God, how many people in London are LGBT plus? That's a huge um, demographic, huge audience that they weren't tapping into, to be honest. I think there is much more of awareness now that things need to be covered and that people want to read, listen to and watch LGBT stories. Um, but I do also think that we are we kind of, you know, risk going down the route of there being one LGBT plus correspondent and that's it. And I think media is very much still reliant on the people in the newsrooms that will vouch for those stories and will vouch for the importance of covering um, issues that affect marginalised communities. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily that it's on like everyone's radar or that it's on the mainstream, so-called mainstream radar at all. That is definitely true. So there's definitely been, you know, a bit of a shift, but there's still a way to go as well. So just let's briefly talk about the current news cycle or a kind of current news environment. What kind of LGBT issues are currently mostly discussed in the UK media? And why do you think those are at the centre of attention? Yeah, sure. I think... um... Well, at the moment, there's obviously loads about um, in the media about It's a Sin, which is uh, an amazing program by Russell T Davies. If you haven't watched it, do watch it. Um, and that sparked some really great conversations, obviously, around HIV, um, the AIDS crisis um, and what it was like for people going through that. And it's really lovely to see that people are 
having their voices heard um, because they didn't at the time. You know, the media was really hostile. Um, I think at the moment, unfortunately, it would be silly of me to do this conversation and not mention just the sadly the really hostile environment um, to trans people in the media. It's impossible to miss whether you are LGBT plus or even you know, intentionally reading about LGBT plus issues. Um, and I think it's it's really awful, actually. Like, it's become really polarised. Um, we're, we're not really listening to trans young people. We're just having conversations about trans young people. Um, and we're hearing about these issues from people that just, like, have no experience. They're not LGBT plus. They don't really have any connection to it. Um, so that is a real shame. You know, the charity where I work, Just Like Us, that is a charity for LGBT plus young people. And we're all about... Um, platforming young people's voices so often we don't actually hear from the young people that we're talking about in the media but yeah unfortunately I do think it's um you know media coverage of trans people has become really polarized and I would love to see that turned around I think also like as a lesbian um lesbian voices have not really been included in ways I would have liked to have seen lesbians have kind of been highlighted in this way that makes us seem like the average lesbian is anti-trans somehow It's, it's all become kind of ridiculous i don't see enough um lesbian voices being heard who are pro-trans um i think we have to kind of question where you know which voices the media are platforming and i would love to see as well just generally you know more lesbian voices in the media i think that would be fantastic as well as all lgbt plus people generally no of course you're completely right i mean the the anti-trans media coverage that exists within the uk is completely abominable Uh, we're hoping to do a full episode on that because really it deserves its own conversation due to the harsh nature of the writing and coverage it's been getting so thank you very much for calling that out um in terms of what you were saying a little bit before as well about the role of companies trying to create lgbt correspondents why do you think it's important for there to be these positions for lgbt people and why you think it's important to discuss it in its own unique section within the mainstream media? I think it can be a really great first step for newsrooms who want to become more inclusive and let's be honest improve their media output to have an LGBT plus correspondent. I think it the thing where it becomes tricky is if all the stories that are even vaguely LGBT plus get thrown at that one correspondent. And if that one correspondent doesn't have time or the resources to cover the story, or it doesn't fit with other things that they've been put on, etc., then the stories don't end up getting covered. And I think that could become a little bit dangerous because it is kind of pigeonholing LGBT people into one box and into one one reporter's capacity you know for example if we've got a story about um politics that's lgbt plus related or education or lifestyle i don't know necessarily that it all should be put on one person you know i think it has to be a newsroom-wide approach definitely that is really important so we've touched on the change that the media is going through and we've also touched a bit on you know the issues that there very obviously are with reporting LGBT plus issues so I'd just like to kind of ask you how do you kind of view the change so far what else do you think has to change and what can media organizations and journalists really do to drive the change forward and encourage, you know, better representation and reporting? Hmm, that's a very good question. I think newsrooms can just hire a wider range of, of people. You know, we know that newsrooms are really white. They're very middle class. You know, they're, they're not very representative on race and ethnicity or LGBT plus 
um, or disability or anything like that. Um, so I think that's probably the starting point. There's a really good organisation called On Road. Um, they're a charity that give training to journalists in newsrooms. Um, and actually, I was in touch with them when I was at the Evening Standard and I got them in to do a session with some of my um, some of the reporters at the Evening Standard and the Independent, actually, because we, we share an office space there. And that one in particular was actually about sexual abuse and sexual violence and how reporting can be improved. Um, and that was a really powerful session. I think people like learned a lot from that. And we got to meet people who were survivors in the session and hear about like what coverage would actually be useful to them, which is a conversation that, you know, doesn't happen often enough. So there are organisations out there doing stuff. Um, I think as like a reader or a listener, you know, we can all be sharing stories more as well, because I think you forget that, you know, it's all well and good saying, like, oh, reporters should cover this or why don't people cover this? And I think actually sharing things on social media like does actually have a, a really, really big impact. So I think we all have a role to play. I mean, hearing directly from lived experience and diversifying the amount of voices you hear can never not be a good thing now in terms of what constitutes current lgbt news i'm interested in the point you made before about how if you have just one correspondent you they can have to cover anything under the sun that's related to lgbt people so what do you think should make something classify as as important lgbt news oh i think that would be really dependent on the newsroom so i'm probably not going to give a very good answer um but i think it really depends on the context like you know how big is your outlet? What kind of things do you cover generally? Who your audience is? Uh, what your angles tend to be? Because um, I think if you're if you're somewhere really broad, then you know just having one LGBT correspondent to cover everything LGBT plus is really difficult. But if you're kind of smaller, then I guess the division of work is kind of different. No, I, I think that's a fair point. Do you feel like having the coverage of LGBT news being so focused and separated from the main news outlets, do you think that runs the risk of alienating cis and straight readers who may not see this news as something that they should learn about or concern themselves with? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think it's really important that we have LGBT sections or LGBT content at least signposted on media outlets, that media outlets acknowledge and reflect their audiences, because no matter what your publication is, you're going to have LGBT plus readers. Um, so I think that's really important, firstly. And, you know, if something is really newsworthy and if it affects a lot of people or, you know, it's just never been reported before and it matters, then it needs to go near the front of a paper. It shouldn't be at the back. You know, when you're talking about kind of like alienating um, non-LGBT plus people and the kind of division of like where stories get covered and where they don't. Um, I think everything is so dependent on the context of an individual story. I think, you know, outlets like Gay Times, Pink News, Diva Magazine, AZ Mag, um, these LGBT plus outlets like have a really, really important role to play because they're always going to pick up stories that other outlets don't. And they're going to be able to tell them in a different way as well. Um, so I think that's that's another really important role for the media to play in terms of making sure that LGBT plus people are represented and that their stories are covered properly. I think it, it would be great if we could see more uptake on other outlets that are not specifically LGBT plus of these stories. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the time it does come down to like whether it's Pride Month or LGBT History Month. But I do think things are improving and things are kind of, you know, at least those times of the year there is more uptake 
than there were, would have been in the past? So there is obviously also journalists who are LGBT plus themselves, but don't specifically cover LGBT plus topics. So, you know, an economics reporter, a politics reporter, anyone, obviously, um, anything like that. How do you view that in terms of why are those journalists important and how kind of inclusive is the industry to them? Mm, that, yeah, I think they definitely have a, a role to play. You know, you can be an LGBT plus journalist reporting not specifically just solely on LGBT plus stories and you can still have a massive impact for LGBT plus readers. You know, for example, if you're it's like with anything, you know, it's about taking an intersectional approach. If you're a black journalist and you're reporting on economy or law, you might be able to take an intersectional approach and, and report on how this is impacting black communities because you'll have a better understanding of it. So I think it doesn't really matter what you're reporting, you're you're gonna be able to be more um, intersectional with your approach regardless because you have that lived experience no definitely that makes a lot of sense and now just before we move on um i just like to ask what's important for straight and cisgender people to be aware of when they do report on lgbt plus subject matters and i guess even should they really be reporting on them or should that be left to the members of the community really and how can people make sure that they're you know, talking about LGBT plus issues in the right way, using correct terms and everything like that when they don't have the lived experience themselves? Oh, I absolutely think that straight and cisgender um, journalists should be reporting on LGBT stuff because it's in the world around them. Um, and if they're refusing to report on it, then we're never going to make progress or like they can't report on it, then that needs to change so that we can make progress. You know, it's always good to be humble and just sort of say, oh, I don't really understand this. Like, I need to um, check out, like, you know, what my language is here or like, am I getting this right? I don't quite understand this. I think that's fine. Like, personally, I would never take offence to that if someone is just kind of honest and polite and says, oh, I don't really get this. Like, what does this mean? Um, you know, as a journalist, you've got to be good at like fact checking and making sure you understand the story properly. And that's just an extension of that. And I think it's just about making sure that you check in with people you're interviewing, you get advice, you speak to someone about like what you're covering. And, you know, if you really feel like you're going down a minefield, you have no idea what you're doing, then, you know, it's going to require a bit more research. Maybe it's worth asking a colleague or a friend or, you know, a charity or whatever it may be to make sure you've you've done the research it's kind of like just doing your due diligence like you would any other story i suppose i mean you're completely right having a wider amount of voices willing and looking to talk about these subjects can only mean that it's talked about more and not delegated to only people with the lived experience which shouldn't be the case but talking about lived experience as um as a lesbian woman in the industry how have you found if I may ask, how have you found your experience in interacting with uh, other editors or other writers talking about these issues? And what would you say you would be willing to pass on to other LGBT journalists going into the same industry? Well, I think, you know, it can be quite hard if you're in a newsroom and you're one of very few, maybe the only LGBT plus person there. You know, I think mostly I was I was always the only lesbian in the room kind of thing. Definitely on like the news desks and stuff. I didn't know of any other lesbians. Um, there might have been some gay guys, but not any lesbians. So I think that can be quite difficult because you're kind of putting yourself out there and 
you do get this sense that you're like you're pitching a story that um you know they won't necessarily just see as like you're pitching it because it's it's worthy you're you're pitching it because you've got a vested interest so you have to be a bit kind of bold and brave in that sense um I guess my advice to any lesbian or LGBT plus journalist that are kind of starting out listening to this would be to try and just own that and have courage and not be afraid of people being like oh you know she's only writing about this because she's a lesbian or she's only writing about this because xyz I think just kind of be brave and own it if you can because you've got a lot to contribute you understand things that other people won't in newsrooms um that said as well don't feel like you have to pigeonhole yourself you know you haven't got to write about your own personal experiences and you haven't just got to write about lgbt plus stuff if you don't want to but if you do want to go for it um you know i i took a job at pink news and it kind of i kind of did wonder you know is it going to pigeonhole me i think actually it doesn't um i think the media needs people that really know their stuff and can be specialists i think there's other ways that you can broaden your skill set like um i studied languages at uni and i do video like there's other ways of kind of broadening your skill set if you're worried about that sort of thing but i think don't be worried about owning what you're good at and what you know So just to kind of pick you up a bit on the point you mentioned about, you know, often being the only person in the room, how are there ways in which um, LGBT plus journalists can network or find each other? And what are maybe some notable journalists who are doing really great work who are part of the LGBT plus community um, that, you know, people can follow on social media and kind of engage with their content? Oh, yeah, this is my time for shout outs now. (laughs) Um, I would say um, loads of people I've worked with for a long time at Pink News are absolutely brilliant. Um, Journalists like Abby McIntosh, Scarlett Pestel, Alex Goldsmith, um, Steph Kiriakou, um, Vic Parsons. Maggie Basker, who's just joined the team as well on news there. Loads of people at Pink News are super talented and work so hard. Jasmine Anderson at the iPaper does some brilliant work. She does a lot of LGBT coverage there. Um, um, also, all the team at Galdem, who are just like incredibly talented. Uh, Mishti Ali um, wrote a brilliant piece um, recently, the other day, I think, about being queer, Muslim and Bengali, um, which is really great. I really enjoyed reading that. Also, the team at AZ Magazine. I don't think they get shout outs enough they're brilliant especially Christania um he just does amazing work yeah lots of people I think there's so much talent out there there you go your homework for the week dear listeners is to go and follow all of those people and expose yourself to the lovely range of fantastic LGBT voices so you better get on that um just curious though I have to ask we've been using the term LGBT quite you know, frequently throughout the episode, but we also have to acknowledge it's not a monolith. I mean, within the community, we've got such different range of experiences and views and ideas that also intersect with a huge amount of other issues as well. So, for example, you can be a gay man and be an LGBT correspondent, but that's not going to make you an expert on issues regarding lesbians or trans women, for example. So I'm wondering, how do you think that this issue of intersectionality should be talked about within conversations around the LGBT correspondency? Yeah, um, I think that's a really good question. And I think, you know, it comes down to, like with anything else, you know, one person can't know everything. Um, So something I always try to do, like at Pink News particularly, was just try and do my research and speak to people if I was covering something that, you know, was outside of my lived experience 
I'm white, um, I'm a woman, um, I'm not disabled. If you know, like if there's anything that, you know, was outside of my lived experience, I'll just try and speak to people and speak to a range of people as well. Like it's not enough to say like, oh, I spoke to one non-binary person and this is what they told me, you know, speak to a variety of people um with intersectional identities and see what you can learn. Often I, I know journalists are really under a lot of pressure to do things quickly. Um, especially with online work but I think if you can kind of do your research you'll learn and like something I loved about my last job was that I just got to speak to and meet such a wide range of LGBT plus people you know with so many different stories and experiences and perspectives it was just incredible um, and one thing I really liked doing when I was there actually I did a series on it's on YouTube called First Times um, where I would get six people um, from one particular identity um, to answer questions about like the first time you came out, first time you realised you were LGBT+, um, the first time you went on a date, the first time you told someone or whatever it might be, the first time you saw yourself represented in a TV show, all sorts of things. And the aim of that really, you know, I was trying to show visually, you know, and through stories that you can just have such like a wide range of experiences just from one identity that might not be, um, you know, it might be really marginalized. So yeah, if you want something to watch on YouTube, um, I mean, I'm obviously biased, but I would recommend <laughs> um, checking that out. I did like episodes on like what it's like to be non-binary, um, lesbian, bisexual men, uh, lots of different identities. And I think like, yeah, it's incredible. We have um, such a rich um, community. That definitely sounds like it's worth a watch. So just drawing back to your current role at Just Like Us, I'd just like to ask you, why do you get involved with Just Like Us, the main aims of the charity, and how are you working towards them? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so Just Like Us is a charity for LGBT plus young people. We are working to improve the lives of, you guessed it, LGBT plus young people um, across the UK. And um, we do that kind of in two ways. So we work directly with schools, school staff and teachers um, to provide them with resources they need to improve school environments. Um, because we know that school has a massive impact on young people. Like it's your formative years. Um, it can really shape who you are and whether you have you view being LGBT plus as something that you can celebrate um, and that you could accept in yourself as well. And the other way we work um, is with LGBT plus young people who are our volunteer ambassadors. So they're 18 to 25 year olds who are LGBT plus and they go into school and they talk about what it's like to be themselves, what it's like to come out. And um, it's often the first time that school students will hear from someone LGBT plus who is actually talking openly about being themselves. Um, so it can be really powerful, those school talks. Just Like Us also runs School Diversity Week every summer, which is a week-long celebration every year of LGBT plus inclusive education. So we're encouraging all schools, if you happen to, this is probably just journalists listening to this, but if you happen to be connected to a school, like please encourage them to sign up because it can have a really positive impact on young people who honestly have, are having a really terrible time with um, mental health at the moment. Um, we've just released some uh, research on the impact of coronavirus and lockdown on LGBT plus young people and the results are 
really devastating. LGBT plus young people are twice as likely to be feeling lonely and separated from the people that they're closest to during lockdown um, and to be struggling with, um, to be worrying about their mental health on a daily basis. Um, so some really um, awful stats have come out of that and just shows how far we have to go really. No, it's fantastic work that you're doing with the charity and really important that it, that these youth are given the support and available access aid that they deserve, really. I'm just curious, um, coming from a journalistic background and moving into communication, what was that transition like and how do you find that your experience in the one has really allowed you to make a space in the other? In a way, I'm kind of still in the transition. Like, I sort of still feel like I am a journalist, even though I'm now in the charity sector. But I guess that's because you know, having worked as a journalist, like, is so useful when you move into comms. Um, like, it, it is dead useful. You you know kind of how media works. You know uh, what makes a good story. Um, you know what journalists might need to run something. You probably have contacts. All that kind of stuff is, like, super, super useful. Um, in terms of the move, I guess it's been kind of interesting, like working in the charity sector, I've never done that before. It's very different to the newsrooms, which I always think are like a really kind of like niche working environment, actually. Um, when you kind of come out of that, you sort of realise even more. I'm loving the charity sector so far. Um, obviously, kind of working in lockdown meant, has meant that everything's a little bit upside down. So I guess the the pace is maybe slightly different like if you're used to working in newsrooms everything's go 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 um which is not always the same in my new role although if i'm trying to get stuff based with media it's often like that um i guess it's kind of interesting like i'm on the other side of the fence in a way now like um i know what it's like to be a journalist i know what media stuff works and won't flow etc um on the other side of things i'm sort of at liberty as, as to whether like journalists will want to run something about our charity work so that's been quite interesting I definitely feel like the two are much more connected than I expected. Um, I think I thought that it would be in a way like a bigger change than it has been, but I'm still like really close to like our ambassadors, getting them writing articles and first person pieces for press, all that kind of stuff um, is still happening and is really interesting. That sounds really exciting and it's definitely really important work you're doing. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming on and chatting to us today. It's been a really great and insightful conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Definitely. Um, Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. So where can our listeners find you and your work and just like us on social media? Oh, yeah, that would be great. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. At, it's just at Amy Ashenden. Please follow Just Like Us. It's at Just Like Us UK on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, or you can visit our website, which is justlikeus.org, and you'll find all the latest stuff on there. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been so fantastic having you on. You can find all those links right below in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Views Our Own. We have a whole bunch of previous episodes on a whole wide variety of career and issue-focused topics. And if you enjoyed the show, please give us a like and subscribe to hear all future episodes. We'll be back on Tuesday with a new episode of New Voices and then again on Friday with another exciting episode about a important topic in the journalism industry. So we hope you'll tune in to those and thanks for listening. See you soon. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.